Well, let that be our prayer. May our words and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to our God. He is our Lord. He's our rock. He is our redeemer. Amen. I'd like to make the statement that things that are important to us, we tend to keep in good shape. Would you agree with that? Things that are important, we try to keep in good shape. Let me give you some examples. One example is I own two guitars that my wife knows of, okay? Uh, Somewhere actually between two and four, the math is kind of sketchy on that, but since she's in attendance, let's work off the operative number of two. And I've learned kind of the hard way what a guitar needs to be kept in good condition. Uh, I didn't know this with my first guitar that I owned, but I've since learned that a guitar needs about between 45 and 55% humidity to keep the wood at its optimal uh, without cracking, okay? And that can be kind of hard this time of year in the winter. Uh, guitars need to be wiped down from time to time because, believe it or not, our fingers have oils on them. It corrodes the steel and the wood. And also, we need to change strings and polish them from time to time. Those are some things that are needed to keep them in good condition. Uh, maybe you are somebody who has a classic car. There's people who collect cars or maybe just like to work on them. If you have a, a sports car or a collector car, perhaps you keep that in good condition by storing it in a garage throughout the winter. Maybe you only drive it in the summer because you see you want to avoid the salt and the sand because you want to keep it in that non-rusting UP condition, right? And so you don't do that. We have a longtime member who comes to our church here who uh, has several beautiful fur coats. And if you get a chance to talk to him, uh, the process of storing those fur coats and cleaning those coats is quite remarkable. You see, because things that are important to us, we try to keep in good condition. And so it is as we drive into our third week of soul keeping on this journey, we want to desire to keep our souls in good condition, our souls in good condition and centered upon Christ. And so it's important to ask that question, if we're going to keep our souls in good condition, what then does the soul need? Just as the guitar needs the right humidity, the car needs the right storage garage, the coats maybe need a certain pro protocol to them, so then what do our souls need that we can keep them in good condition. And I would say as we focus on that for our week here, I'd like to turn to God's word to find the answer. In fact, I'd like to turn more specifically to Psalm 19 that we just heard Pastor Daniel read. There in Psalm 19, David writes this psalm, and I think he quite aptly answers the question for what does our soul need as he lays out three principles that every soul needs. And I'm going to just give you these principles at the, at, the, at the front here, and then we'll dive into each and every one of them. So what does the soul need? The soul needs guidance, the soul needs forgiveness, and the soul also needs acceptance. And that's what David tells us here in Psalm 19. So let's take a look at these in further detail, that first one that we talked about, that the soul needs to be guided. Listen to the words of David. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure and enduring forever. 
The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Look at all those bolded words that David uses. He says, the law and statutes and precepts and commands and decrees. And if you said, Pastor Chad, what are the difference between a law and a decree and a precept and a command? I'll tell you what, I'd struggle to give you a good answer because it's really a fine difference. In fact, I think David does this intentionally as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to use as many synonyms and and poetic words as he can to describe God's word, to paint the picture for us that our souls don't just need snippets of God's word that we choose to apply to our lives, but that our souls need all of God's word as a way of bringing us guidance. David is saying that we need to hear the law, but we need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the encouragement, but we need to also hear those warnings in scripture. We need to hear of the grace of Jesus. We need to hear the truth of the spirit Our soul needs all of God's word for guidance. And so we turn to God's word, and God's word brings us that guidance. And God provides that guiding power through his spirit in his word. You know, it's interesting. Several years back, they took a a survey at a local newspaper in, in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they asked people, what's your view of the Ten Commandments? Now, it didn't matter if whether you were Christian or non-Christian, they just kind of did a general survey. And what was remarkable about this is that um, people at large, whether they were followers of Jesus or not, had a pretty high regard for the Ten Commandments. So, for example, the commandment, thou shall not murder, 94% of the respondents said that's a good rule. Kind of surprised it wasn't 100%, and I'm a little bit concerned about the 6%, but but 94, okay. And then like the, the, the commandment that thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, you know, the one that we're not supposed to tell tall tales, we're not supposed to lie, we're not supposed to gossip, right? 91% of those who took the survey said that is something they believe in too. And so overall, there was a high gathering of people who had a high regard for God's word. But here's what's interesting. Out of the 91% that said you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't bear false witness, out of that 91%, there was 37% who said, well, but it's okay to fudge a resume with some credentials that maybe you don't have if it gets you to the top of the list to get a job that you really want. Or there was 51% that said, it's okay to lie to your kids about what you did and did not do in college because, after all, if your kids are going through college, you don't want to give them any ideas that, well, this was okay for dad or mom to do, so this might be okay for me to do. And 60% said that if you're feeling okay, but you just need a day to go out and do something fun, it's okay to call into work and say, I'm sick, I'm not coming in today, right? Because you're not really hurting anybody, it's just a small white lie. And so what was interesting by looking at those surveys is that you could kind of come to this conclusion that, generally speaking, most people have a high regard for God's word, for guidance in the life of others. But when God's word starts to get real personal and starts infringing on our lives in places where we're not comfortable, all of a sudden, the story changes, doesn't it? And we as Christians also know that because of our sinful nature, We need God's word for guidance because it's so easy for us to want to give in to the sinful desires of our flesh. And so that's why David says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It is perfect for refreshing 
the soul. You hear that? God writes his word, not as a burden to you, but he writes it as a blessing to you to bring refreshment to your soul as he guides you to streams of living waters in Christ, as he guides you to lay down in green pastures with your shepherd. And so our souls need to be guided by God's word, and that is an important thing that all of us need. A second thing that we talked about in the beginning is that our souls also need to be forgiven. David would go on in verse 9 say, The decrees of the Lord are firm, all of them are righteous. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Here's what 12 says. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults, O Lord. David talks about needing forgiveness from God of his hidden faults. The things that are not obvious to everybody else. The things that he is not even maybe aware of. He needs forgiveness for sins that he does not know about. And maybe you can identify with this. Have you ever had this experience where uh, you're talking to somebody? Uh, maybe it's a good friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody at work. And uh, all of a sudden, you notice over weeks or months, somehow the relationship dynamic has changed. They don't talk to you as much. It seems like maybe they're avoiding you. And all of a sudden, you start thinking to yourself, what's going on here? And then you find out from another friend that you said something that really offended them or you did something that really offended them and you think to yourself, I don't even remember saying that. I, I can't believe I would have said that. I, I can't believe those words were offensive to that person. And so we have a, a hidden fault, a fault we're not even aware of. And yet, even though it was unintentional, even though it was accidental, we would call that, right? We all know that accidents still make big messes in relationships, don't they? Accidents always make big messes. If you're out on Fair Avenue going a little too fast and you come up on Ontario, trust us, we haven't done this, but we know it's slippery there, right? If you run into somebody coming, coming the other way, that you didn't mean to do that, that accident's still going to make a big mess. If you're in a roundabout, as we have several in town, I think 1,300, and you get T-boned by somebody... They did not mean to do that. That was an accident. But it was still their mistake, and it still creates a big mess. See, accidents create big messes in our lives. But here's the thing. When we receive forgiveness, forgiveness cleans up the big mess. Forgiveness cleans up the accidents of our sin in our life. And our souls need that forgiveness for times when we hurt people and we don't even know about it. Or we hurt somebody and we, we didn't try to do that. But here's the thing, that's just a portion of our sinful nature. David also recognizes, as I'm sure you can recognize this day as well, that there are some times when we sin and when we make mistakes and it is no accident. It's premeditated. It's something we're thinking about. It's something we know we're exactly what we're doing. You see, because we are tempted and we, and we want to sometimes just serve our own needs and, and forget about the needs of others. Or maybe we want to forget about the words of what God says we should do. And so we follow our desires and we sin against God. And David says, I have a God who forgives me for that as well. 
He goes on to say, keep your servant also from willful sins, things I do intentionally, and may those willful sins not be master over me, right? You see, our souls need forgiveness from God to clean up the mess in our lives, the mess made by the accidents of sin, the mess made by the intentions and the willfulness of our sin. And God provides that forgiveness in our Savior, Jesus Christ, which leads us to that last thing that David speaks about, is that our souls also need acceptance. And that's why he concludes the psalm by saying, may these words of my mouth, may these meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, for you are my rock and my redeemer. See, every soul, your soul, my soul, wants to be accepted. And if you question this, we'll just look at a couple things that you see in everyday society. I think there are things that prove that our souls want to find acceptance. I think because every soul needs acceptance that this is why sometimes teenagers often find themselves doing something that they ordinarily wouldn't do. Because you see, sometimes as a teenager, there's a lot of peer pressure in school from classmates and friends or maybe those on a sports team. And maybe this is not exactly how you would do something, but, but that pressure to want to feel accepted uh, can be overwhelming at times. And so sometimes you see a, a good child make a poor choice because they just want to be accepted. But you see, it's not just the teenagers. We don't outgrow this, adults. It happens to us as well. This is why adults take vacations they can't afford and buy things that they have no money to pay for because, you see, across the street is where the Joneses live. And the Joneses are doing all of those things. And if we really want to feel accepted in the neighborhood with the Joneses or place the whatever last name you want in there, then we're going to keep up with them and do the same things. But you see, maybe the Joneses can afford that, but maybe we can't. And so we feel this need to be accepted and equal. And so people find themselves placing themselves in insurmountable debt just to feel and be accepted. Because every soul wants to be accepted. When you turn in an application to go to the college of your dreams, right, you hope to get the letter that says, it is with great honor and joy that we are proud to announce to you your acceptance into the college of aero engineering or whatever it is you go into, right? We don't want to hear the, the one that says, we're sorry, but you've been rejected. You're not good enough. And you know, if we would submit an application to our God to enter into the kingdom of God, even grander than some university that we may want to be a part of, we, on our own merits, would be rejected. They would look at our grades and they would say, this doesn't add up. This guy, this gal, they don't do what is demanded of them. They're not even doing the bare minimum. They don't make the grade. They're not good enough. We cannot accept them. They will not be admitted. That's what it would look like if we submitted an, uh, an admission to God's kingdom. But that's not our current reality. Because you know just as well as I do that because of the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, because of his love and his mercy, he comes to us and he gives us his life in exchange for our shortfallings, both accidental and willful. 
And because of the blood poured out on the cross, the Bible is filled with places that calls you and me his acceptable children, his acceptable sons and daughters of the king. But here's the thing. This Jesus who made a ministry out of accepting others. This Jesus who, who, who made a ministry out of accepting those that society rejected. He went to the woman at the well who was rejected by her peers because of her promiscuity, and he accepted her. He didn't agree with her lifestyle, but he accepted her as one he would love. He went to a man with leprosy, and he accepted him when he was cast out by the rest of society. And yet this man who accepted everyone was the same man who was rejected by the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees. This is the same rejected man that Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah 53, where he'd be stricken, smitten, and afflicted, a man of sorrows, rejected, right? He was rejected by mankind, those he came to save, but even worse yet, he was rejected by his father. He was rejected by God. And that's why he utters those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, why have you rejected me? But we know the great benefit of his rejection was that we might receive the acceptance of God and that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, my rock and my redeemer, through the Holy Spirit working inside of us, we do have meditations of our hearts, and words from our mouth that are pleasing in God's sight as our soul is refreshed by his word. And so as Jesus has come forth with this ministry of accepting others who are rejected, he now calls us as his people, the Holy Christian Church. As Paul would write in Romans 15, that we should go forth and accept one another as modeled by Jesus who accepted us. And in so doing, this will please our God, our Father in heaven. So as we leave here today, know what your soul needs, that guidance, that forgiveness, and that acceptance, and hear that you have received that, that your soul does belong to Christ, and that your soul has been accepted by God on account of him. Amen. Pastor Daniel, would you uh, close us with a word of prayer? It's always good to pray, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the God who provides us great guidance in your word. That is why you've given us that, that, that word, those, those words on a page that we can open and read freely without hindrance and gladly hear and learn them. Lord, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that we could receive that forgiveness of all of our, our many and various sins. And Lord, uh, we give you thanks for that uh, today as well. And Lord, uh, as uh, we think of uh, the acceptance that we all seek, that we try to find on our own, uh, we ask that you'd show us the guidance or the acceptance that uh, you give us. Uh, and that uh, that's the only acceptance that we would seek and that we would revel in. Uh, Lord, uh, may, these, uh, may these things uh, fill our souls. Uh, may you uh, help us to keep our souls as you keep our souls as you uh, keep our very selves. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name today, asking for your grace and your mercy to continue to be upon us. Amen.